Hello, and welcome to the Balvenie Stories series with me, Gemma Patterson, Global Ambassador for the Balvenie Single Malt Scotch. In this series, we journey across Scotland and even as far afield as Kentucky to meet with the people who make our whiskies and hear their stories. Today, we're going to discover what makes the creation of a classic. Let's start at the very beginning. In 1962, there was a young man who was 17 years old and had just finished school. He applied for three jobs, one at a bank, an insurance company, and one as part of the Whiskey Stocks team at William Grant & Sons. Unsurprisingly, this talented young man was offered all three jobs, but luckily for us, he accepted the position as Whiskey Stocks clerk here at the Balvenie. So he clocked in to work on his first day and discovered a great deal of his job was dealing with paperwork, mundane office tasks. However, he worked in the most exciting department alongside fourth generation master blender, Hamish Robertson. Hamish noticed that David had a unique skill and talent. He had an exceptional nose and an exceptional palate. So he took him under his wing and began to train him. Many years later, this young apprentice was to become one of the greatest whiskey makers of all time, respected for his depth of knowledge, dedication to craft, his innovations, and personal blend of generosity, integrity, and genuine modesty. David Charles Stewart, MBE, is based in our offices and bottling facility in Bells Hill, just outside Glasgow, which is home to the Whiskey Stocks Department. His office is known as the Sampling Room, and it's a proper whiskey library. Any whiskey lover's dream. It was here that I met with David a few weeks ago to hear more about the part he's played in the creation of a classic. So I'm here with David Stewart, malt master for the Balveni. Mm -hmm. Hi, David. Hello there. Hi, Gemma. And I guess if we paint a picture for everyone at home, we're surrounded sort of floor to ceiling, wall to wall with tiny bottles filled with lots of different samples of whiskey ranging in variations of colour from pale gold to rich, dark mahogany all around us. Yeah, that's, that's it. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of samples in here. And, this, mm -hmm. and, and in here we're nosing the whiskey. That's the... So this is quite an important part uh, here. We're not drinking the whiskey or tasting it. This is that nosing with these nosing glasses that we've got there. So it's a very important part. It's a part that I really enjoy being in, in the sample room, because this is where the malt master should spend a good bit of time in and sampling all the whiskies and new expressions. And if we're trying to create any new expressions, which we've been doing more and more recently, this is where we will yes. we'll start things off. And this is where we'll be monitoring it as, as it's going through the kind of maturation process as well. So it was here that the double wood was created? Yes. Other expressions of Balvenie that people at home might know and love, like the Portwood or Caribbean cast? That's, that's it. It really is a dream job. Yeah, it is. No, no, I'm very lucky. Very lucky to, to have had this job. And you've had really a long history with, with the company. Since you started your career, you started out within William Grant and Sons. Yes. I mean, I started in 1962. Mm -hmm in the whiskey stocks, the department as a whiskey stocks clerk. And, but was, was that lucky. straight out of school, David? Pretty much. I left school in June 1962 and started in September mm -hmm. 1962. And I was, I was very lucky that my boss, who was the master blender, so I was very lucky to start on the right side of the business. Mm -hmm. I could have started on another side of the business, never got an opportunity. But I think the family probably were looking around the industry, you know, to maybe bring in someone a bit more experienced mm -hmm. to take on the role of the company's master blender. 
So you were 29 so, at the 29. time? 29. So I just had to keep thinking. I think it was about six months after mm -hmm. Hamish left that they eventually came to me and, and said, well, look, David, there's been no great disasters over the, <laughs> the last six months. Things have gone on pretty much as they should. And uh, so they gave me that job at the end of 1974. Mm -hmm. So really I was the company's master blender right through to the end of th 2009. 35 years. Yeah. And then... I could have left the company then, but my boss at that stage said, would you like to carry on your Balvenie Maltmaster role? Mm -hmm. So the Founders Reserve was really the first consistent expression of Balvenie, um, released in 1973. You took over in 1974. What happened next, David, with Balvenie? Yeah, well, at the beginning of the 80s, the family came to me and said, look, David, we'd like to you know, create another expression of Balvenie as well, and had the one expression, and they actually gave me the name Balvenie Classic, and they said, we'd like to do a no-way statement at 12 years old and 18 years old. So at that stage, I thought, well, how do we make this new expression a little bit different from what we've currently got? Mm -hmm. And I knew the difference between American oak, which is all about vanilla and honey and sweet, fruity notes, and Spanish oak gives you that rich, spicy, dark-coloured whisky. So I thought, well, what would happen if we take whisky from American oak barrels, empty it into vat, and then fill it back into sweet Oloroso sherry cask? So that's what we did with no-age whisky, probably around about 8 to 10 years old, 12 years old and then 18 years old. And I just got samples down mm -hmm. from the distillery every month just to see how it was evolving. And, and that'd be where you worked with our head warehouseman at the time, Eric Stephen. Yes. So yeah, so he would be he would be drawing samples on a regular basis, pretty much what we do today with the, with all the finishes, but mm -hmm. in, in a smaller smaller way to be fair. But yes, so samples were coming down every month, and I think. Uh, Probably after about six months at that stage, I, I could see how it had, had evolved, had taken on a rich colour and also these rich, spicy, dried fruits, cinnamon, ginger spices, much more complex than if it had been just in American oak barrels. So I think I passed samples around the, around the company to the family and they were all quite delighted with the, with the whiskey. Mm. So we released these three, three new expressions in 1983, the Valvenie Classic. And this was really significant for the future of Balvenie because right at that point when you created the classic, you were creating what would become Balvenie's signature flavour profile, really, David. Yes. And then now, obviously, we're going to see the classic come back. We are. We're going to bring back uh, the No Age Statement classic. So we're going through pretty much the same process. It's American Oak. And currently we've got it in sherry cast again. Yeah. So we've been getting samples brought in again. So mm -hmm. it should be ready over the next couple of months. Really an impressive legacy, David, from mm -hmm. when you started right back in the early 80s, experimenting with cask finishing to then now see, I'm very excited to go out and travel around the world and see this bottle, mm. the creation of the classic, sitting on shelves. And no doubt I'll, I'll always think of you and think of those initial experiments <laughs> back in the early 80s and how that evolved. Yeah. And I mean, there's a, something else kind of linked to the, all of this that we should mention, because a few years ago, something very special happened. You actually got a letter through the post inviting you to meet the Queen. I, I did. Well, that's what I was saying. Late 2015, I got mm -hmm. this letter to uh, ask if I'd like to become an MBE yes. for my service to the Scotch whisky industry. So obviously, it came as a huge member uh, surprise. of the British Empire. Yes, so it came as a big surprise. I wasn't expecting it. But obviously I feel very proud to have 
received it from the Queen. We all really celebrated your, your MBE and mm-hmm. it is a testament to the achievements yeah. with that you've made in cask finishing. It's something that mm-hmm. really many, many different um, whiskey makers all across the world now use, but it's, it's a technique that you really perfected over the years, David. Yeah, well, that's similarly the whole, as you say, the whole industry does finishes now. It's allowed us to, the whole industry to release different expressions and you're know, being finished in different cast types. So it's opened up, uh, you know, the market and opened up the number of whiskies that each company can now produce and, and, and get out into the marketplace. Yeah, mm-hmm. so a lot of wood has been used, from, you know, to create different whiskies. We calculated you've nosed probably close to half a million Yes. Samples of Balvenie, didn't we, in your career? Over, the, over these 50 odd years, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's, we worked out how many we, how many I probably do daily and, and weekly and then annually, and it did come up to about 450,000 mm-hmm. uh, samples of nosed either in here in the sample room or up at the, or up at the distillery, where I sometimes we'll nose a whole vatting of samples, maybe mm-hmm. two or three hundred in one day. But yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of samples. Yeah, it's a lot yeah, of samples. Is, That's why it's important for you to have somebody to work with. And now you have your apprentice, yes. Kelsey McEachney. Yes. So yes, yeah, so she joined as a graduate. So I spent time at our grain distillery, spent time up at the up Glenfiddich and Balvenie distilleries. And uh, we were looking to our team here. And, and she also had spent a year in, in whiskey stocks as mm-hmm. well, so she had had a bit of time in the nosing room as well. So she was the sort of ideal choice. So she's been working with Brian and myself now for you know a few years. Well, we're going to meet Kelsey later on. We're going to head up to Dufton now and go and meet Eric and George and have a look at some of your samples of the creation of the classic while they're in cask. And then we're going to come back down and have a nose of those samples with you and Kelsey. Okay, good. Hello, Gemma here with a brief intermission. I hope you're enjoying the story and your journey with us. Stay tuned because you're about to meet two of my favourite characters, Balvenie warehousing legends George and Eric. To hear more about the Balvenie and discover more about our range, then visit thebalvenie.com. You can find the link in our bio. Okay, let's get back to the action. So we've just left David um, in Glasgow in his sample room and now we're here at the Balvenie Distillery and I'm with George Patterson, our warehouse coordinator, and Eric Stephen, our former warehouse coordinator. Hi both. Hello. Good morning. It's a beautiful day. It is. It's a lovely day for the job. So George, where have you brought us right now? Taking up to warehouse three and this is one of our oldest warehouses. One of the more traditional Dunnage warehouses. Everything's wooden in here. It's uh, one of my favourites as well. It's got a lot more character than like the palletised warehouses or racked warehouses. How many casks will we expect to see inside here? Probably around eight to ten thousand. We've been there. Okay. Great. Let's go. Okay. When was the last time you were here, Eric? Oh, it's about twelve years ago. 12 years ago. What year did you retire? 2009. 2009. Started here in 1962. 1962. Oh, you started the same year as David Stewart? Yes, I. Same month. Wow. Same year. Okay. It smells incredible. It's nice, eh? 
you can just get there. Fills your lungs. Beautiful aroma of whiskey yeah. in the air. It sets yeah. the age of the place as well. You can tell this stuff's happened here over the years. Lots of good whiskey's been stored here and aged here and went on to people's glasses and shelves. Incredible. Okay. So we're going to have a look at the Bovina Classic. Yeah. What's this, George? This is the the Bovina Classic. is an ex-double weed butt, sherry butt, so it's its second fill. And it was, it's been in here since September of last year, I think. Okay. So since September, this is the creation of the Classic. Yeah. The new release. It'll be bottled shortly, but you're in the process of doing some sampling for David yeah, and for Kelsey, right? Take regular samples of this so they can monitor its involvement and how it's getting on. And, mm -hmm. and when, when it's uh, good to go, then we'll get the nod from Kelsey and David and, and that'll be it. How much sampling goes on? Oh, hundreds, thousands. In, uh, last year alone, but it was just over 6,000 samples. It's a lot of work. Than, even when I started here 10 years ago, it was... There was only maybe a hundred or so samples a week, maybe a month. And now that's evolved to, well, for January, we were just over 600 samples. Wow. For one month. But the processes are still the same. A much lot of same, yeah, what George is doing on a daily basis is just quite much, similar it's to just, what you've um, done. gotten bigger and bigger mm -hmm. as the years went on. So, um, oh yes, it's fine to see the whiskey moving. Yeah, I'm excited yep. to try this new one. You ready? Yeah, Have definitely. Right, sloping up this cask then. I've got okay. a couple of glasses here. It's a good drama. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it smells very fresh. Yeah. Gold. Vibrant, fruity, sweet, fresh. What do you think of that wee sip, Eric? It's lovely. Get a honey notes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's Classic of any flavours. Yeah, kind of spicy, you know, Spicy, aye. Uh -huh. so that's nice. It's a nice aftertaste as well. Yeah. It's not too heavy. No. What strength would this be at, George? This is a high 50s, 50 so between, between 50, 56, 59, I think, if I remember correctly. No, this is a lovely one. Mm. Not too dark, George, anyway. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a second, second fill, fill and uh, it's been <coughs> in there for about five months now. So. Yeah, months. so typically this butt would have been used, come from come from Hareth, would have been used first of all for double wood, yeah, and that's first the first fill. thing that's been in it. The previous occupant would have been Oloroso Sherry, yeah. then had Balvenie in it for probably around nine months, yeah, finishing. The double wood, yeah. And now you've got the creation of a classic in here, finishing, yeah. and that was actually an American oak as well prior to that. And Eric, you worked with David right back through the 80s when he started working on <coughs> cask finishing and developing the first classic. Yes, I remember quite well, just as George was saying, we did a lot of samples and to see how the whiskey was coming on. And, yeah. And um, yeah, there was quite a lot of casts and St. David just said, right, this, this is the one, so that was it, like. And you two would visit warehouses yes, together, quite often and take them around and, and we'd visit casks. Every two, three months or something like that, we'd mm -hmm. draw a sample and taste yeah. them. You've got to taste it to see if it's right, you see. Mm -hmm. 
and you're actually going to draw some samples to send down to them. That's it. We're, we're, not, we're not here just to try no. this whiskey, no. but you actually have an important mm -hmm. job to do. Yep, and that this is the next one that they're keeping an eye on and going to be checking. Yeah. Cheers. Well, cheers. cheers. Thank you so much, George. Cheers. Cheers. For the best. Down a hatch. <laughs> well, what would this butt weigh? Well, uh, it's half a ton. Half a ton, and you have to move these and manoeuvre them and. This is a dunnage warehouse that we're in. Yeah. So all of this, it's done Money. by hand, manually. Yeah, by, yeah. By, I think by hand. Mm -hmm. uh, we take it in, we set up the, the, the stores that you can see, set them up by hand. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's one, that's other reason it's one of my favorites because everything's, you're, you're creating the styles, not like the racked warehouses where the racking's already there, all you're doing is filling it. But here you're actually building this cask's home for potentially yeah. the next 12 years. Yeah. And, that, and you set it up right, everything nice and straight, and it's you get a sense of pride yeah. walking away from it, knowing that that's safe, that spirit's safe there. You're set, laying it down to rest. Yeah. And you said for around 12 years, George, you'll lay it down, but some are going to be way, way longer. Oh, yeah, yeah, but just minimum, really. So you're thinking 12, but, 12, yeah. but you set up that style, right? It will be there forever. You're looking after casks today that Eric would have laid down back in, when you started in 1962. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some of our oldest bovennies are from the early 60s. You don't do any tapping new jars now. No. No, no. What do you mean by tapping? When you, you check every cast with a hammer to yep. see if there's a, a loud noise. Oh, the noise fill levels, yep. You know? So you, you just tap tap the side. Yes, yeah, sorry. The and there's a dog in a sound, you know, there's spirit been leaking. So right. you take your torch and have a look around and see if there's no looks a wormhole or a end been leaking. Because mm -hmm. um, well, you don't want to lose, lose the nice spirit. George has almost a million casks, or just over a million yeah, casks. Just over a million, it's right. yeah, yeah. a lot to keep your eye on. Yeah. Right. But you know what, George, you talk about how the passion and the heart that everybody put into it, and you, mm -hmm. you do that today, you know, you still have so much heart and you have yeah, a lot of passion totally. for what you do. Well, we've got some samples to okay. to take from this, don't we? Right. Maybe you should do the honours, Eric. Okay. So these Thank samples are delivered to David and Kelsey from you since you started the classic back in the 80s. Now, what's this box? This is a wee box. <laughs> the wee box? Little sample box. Now we've got a new join us, Scott. We have had made... He's made new sample boxes for me, but we still use all the old ones because uh -huh. they've stood the test of time. That's amazing. So you make them here on site. Yeah. Our own joiner makes them. And basically, it's just a little wooden box with a lock. It's filled with lots of little glass bottles. So you fill them, close them, and they open them on the other end, and nothing yeah. nothing in between. Nothing in between. Right, right so we'll draw some of these. Let's do it. That's it, ready to go down to David. You got a good chance. Amazing. Mm. I never knew these were made on site. Yeah. The thing is, from the sample box, the copper of the lunch is made on site with Dennis. Uh, just think everything, because that's one of the good things. We can resource our own stuff. Yeah. And uh, we don't have to reply, uh, rely on outside needs and arm. We can 
get all this done ourselves. Well, George, Eric, thank you so much for coming and sharing your stories with us. And, You're welcome, um, Gemma. George, thank you for sharing these great drams. My pleasure. Thank you, George. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers Eric. Cheers, George. All the Cheers. best. To your health. Cheers. So here we are back in SBP in the sample room. We're joined by David again. Hi, David. Hi, Gemma. And Hi. Kelsey McKechnie, our apprentice malt master on Bob Hello. Hi, both. So we've just come from Dufton, where I was sampling some of the casks of the creation of the classic with George, and he gave me a very important task. Oh. So he gave me one of his sample boxes with some samples in to bring to you guys to nose and have mm -hmm. a wee look at. I tell you, that is so an important job. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, we'll take a look. So usually what we would do is we would take, if we fill our casks in batches, we would take mm -hmm. random casks in that sample so that we can actually get a good representation yep. of what it looks like. Yep. So here we've just got a few others. So what we'll do is we'll just composite them together so that we can have a nose. Okay, perfect. Okay. I'll help out. Some teamwork. I know, absolutely. So this is a good example of what you do day to day here in the sample room, right? Yes. So we may get uh, we might have a hundred but so rather than getting samples from the whole one hundred, we would maybe get one uh, every tenth but, mm -hmm. and then we bulk them all together here because that's what will happen. They'll all get that hundred but will all get mixed together at the end of the day in a vat. So we just uh, and this gives us a good representation of where we are at the moment. And that's a role, so. Kelsey, that you've kind of taken over now from David, a programme, when you talk about the cask finishing programme, that was something that started through the 80s with the original classic. Absolutely. And now you're working mm -hmm. with George in the same way that David worked with Eric back then to develop the finishes. Mm -hmm. So I suppose for everyone listening at home, because it's quite complicated, it's actually quite a complicated process to get your head around. You've got your Balvenie that's matured, first of all, in American oak. So typically, if we talk about the double wood, it's been 12 years in American oak. And then you transfer that into a brand new Spanish Oloroso sherry butt mm -hmm. that's never been used before. The last thing that was inside that butt would have been Oloroso, Oloroso sherry yep. for around nine months. And then to add another layer, you've obviously got finishes that are happening all throughout the year at all different stages. That's right, with so all different birthdays. kind of managing all different mm -hmm. birthdays to celebrate. Every single month you're managing hundreds of different casks. Yes. Hundreds of samples. David, you mentioned you could be looking at two, three hundred a day. Well, sometimes I've been up at the distillery and maybe there was a whole vatting I could do. I could do two or three hundred a day, but probably, what would you do in here, 50 maybe? We've got finishes in single barrels. And yeah, absolutely. We I might mean, do 50 or 60 in a day in here. Just briefly but mention marrying as well, because there's another step that's going to happen once, once you've been here and you've noticed the samples and you've approved them. Yes. Something else happens. Which is that we move them on into marrying tons. So we allow the flavour just to sit in there. And with a marrying tun, because it doesn't enhance the flavour and it doesn't take anything mm -hmm. from it, we can allow the spirit to sit in there, almost mm -hmm. as a little time capsule. Mm -hmm. The spirit marries in there, it becomes um, really smooth, rich, in terms of it's the same flavour that we want, but it just yep. allows to sit in there. Um, and then we actually vat those batches and we can send them to bottling again. And the marrying process isn't something that's an industry standard, right? No. And we're the only company in the industry, to be fair, that actually has these marrying tuns. 
other companies will marry, but they may marry in a stainless steel vat mm. or a wooden vat, but we're the only company in the industry that have, has these 2,000 litre marrying tons. Mm. Should we have a look at the sample? Absolutely. Good. I mean, it's, it's a lovely rich colour and it's starting to pick up yeah. the colour from the sherry casks now. And is it really it's like amber and with the see. sunlight, you've got the sunlight kind of coming through this, it's beautiful colour. Yes. Very nice. I'll let you go first, David. Okay, I'll just have a nose of it. So we've added a little bit of water there in there just to bring the strength yes. down. These are all cast strength at the moment and because right. when we first nose them, we'll get that alcohol hit. Um, and we actually want to take that away and we just want to nose the character of the spirit in itself. So that's why we'll add the water in there, drop that ABV down so that it's not the first thing that we catch yes. in the nose. Mm -hmm. I can see it's 59.7 is the strength, so it's quite okay. strong. Mm -hmm. So we've added the same, same amount of water, so we're probably down about 30%, well, which opened up the whiskey. It's all got that nice honey and vanilla sweetness, but you've got that spiciness. It's not ready yet, I don't think, but it's, it's, you can see the spiciness and the mm -hmm. dried fruits and cinnamon ginger spices is starting to come through on, on the whiskey. So yeah, so it's, it's developing very nicely. I yeah, know, I agree. And it's amazing that actually the flavour that it's got, considering it's not been in there for its full length of time. Yeah. So by the time this creation of the classic is filled into the bottle, how many times would you have potentially looked at the samples? I mean, we could easily be up into the double digits of samples, just looking at something like yes. the classic. So what do you think, Gemma? Yeah, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's quite vibrant and yes. lively. You've just needs nice to pick up a bit more of that kind spices. of sherry, you know, okay. spicy character. Yeah, I think then it will be, will be happy with it. It's also it's been something very exciting to explore through the story series with Bovenny because it's taken us back to some experiments that have been done with the spirit back in the early '90s. So when we looked mm. at the Day of Dark Barley and the roasted malt and those experiments in 1992 through to the Heather Trials yeah. in the early 2000s and mm. um, the edge of Burnhead Wood. So you've had quite a few opportunities to use yes. the spirit and try at different stages. Yep, that's where you need to be patient right enough if you do something when you're at the new spirit stage, mm. then you're, you're, you've got at least 12 years mm. and probably more than that to wait. So that's why a lot of the industry focus on wood, which you can do within a year, two years at the most. But you're right, we've done a few things and we've probably got one or two other things up our sleeve as well that we're doing with the new spirit to maybe give us something in the future. Absolutely. It really highlights how unique every single cask is, just like a snowflake, just like a fingerprint. You know, sometimes... Well, yeah. I like that, a fingerprint. Yeah. I never thought of it, but that. no, that's yeah. a really nice thing to think about. Yeah, you every do get cask. surprises from time to time. Think about everything that's gone by and changed in those years and those decades that that cast's been patiently maturing mm. away in the warehouse. David's still here. <laughs> that's <laughs> one constant. <laughs> but many things, yeah. many, many it's things have changed. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> well, David, really, it's a huge legacy that you've created with the classic back in the early 80s and now you must be immensely proud seeing the recreation of the classic now. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. So we're looking forward to getting into a bottle and going out there and getting the feedback from people who like our whiskies. Mm. Absolutely. And as my role as Global Ambassador, I've got a lot of travel coming up. Um, and this is a whisky that we'll see travelling around out at airports. So I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to seeing it on the shelf and picking up a bottle. Of course. Yeah. 
And looking back to this wee sample that we had today, <laughs> trying it at this stage. I know, exactly. No, it's definitely. It's, you get that with every product, especially when we see classic, we'll be able to remember this. Yeah, thank you both so much for letting us come in and okay, take some time up. in your sample room. No, thank you. Well, huge thank you to David and Kelsey, to Eric and George for sharing their stories and expertise with us. It's been so inspiring to witness how techniques and traditions are passed on from one generation to the next, and pretty exciting to catch a glimpse of the future of whiskey making. From Dufton to Glasgow, I've really enjoyed learning more about the collaboration and trust built up over the decades between the role of the malt master and the role of the warehouse coordinator, both guardians of our precious whiskey, guiding it on the journey to reach our glasses. Thanks for coming along on this journey with me to explore what makes the creation of a classic. We've got a few more episodes in the Above Any Stories series for your listening pleasure, so please join us to discover more about what makes the Above Any. Until next time, slancha. <laughs>